This podcast is supported by the new film If Beale Street Could Talk. From director Barry Jenkins, director of the Academy Award-winning film Moonlight, comes a soulful drama based on the acclaimed novel by James Baldwin. Critics everywhere are spellbound by Regina King's Golden Globe-winning performance, calling the film a seismic cinematic achievement. And it is. Appearing on over 100 top 10 lists, If Beale Street Could Talk is now playing in theaters everywhere. Welcome to Screen Talk, New Wars Weekly Podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the Executive Editor and Chief Critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson out in L.A. And Ann, it's a big week for award season with the deadline looming for Oscar voting on Monday. Publicists are scrambling. All kinds of talent is super nervous. And we'll get into that in a little bit, but there have already been a bunch of nominations this week. So let's start with those. Start, let's start with the BAFTAs. Because that's a very interesting entity in award season that does overlap with the Academy to some degree. What do you make of that? No surprise, the favorite is kind of on no, top there. They tend to lean into the homegrown um, material. So we all predicted that the favorite would lead the field, uh, which which they did. Um, but it was interesting to see that if you look at all the different groups, including SAG, which is actually one of the most uh, important, uh, which of the films got SAG ensemble nominations and then watching how all the other groups play out going, because this week we got writers guild and we got directors guild and, you know, following up on the PGA. So you start to see patterns in terms of where the support really is probably, although the Academy can go a little higher brow than some of these and films like the favorite weren't even, um, eligible for uh, or leave no trace. It's there's a rare, there's a real possibility that leave no trace could surprisingly show up at the at the Academy Awards in the writing category. I don't think it will, but it's it, it just because it didn't get a WGA nomination doesn't mean anything because it wasn't eligible. Well, so, my anecdotal evidence for for that movie is that there's a lot of goodwill towards Deb, uh, to Deborah Gramic and to the film itself that would at least make it a kind of an underdog. Yes, I think so. Unfortunately, the other underdog, which didn't show up at the BAFTAs either, uh, and it just shows you that there are certain films that seem important inside our little bubble of highbrow indie art films that we love, uh, is, is First Reformed. And when I went and looked up all the things that First Reformed actually got, which is an astonishing three-way Ethan Hawke win from New York, L.A. and National, which is sort of unheard of, um, it's it's all critics, except for maybe the Indie Spirits. It it hasn't gotten anything from the guilds. So it's it's a I'm going to say that I still think Ethan Hawke and and. uh, Paul Schrader, who's so long overdue, you know, wrote Taxi Driver, wrote, um, uh, you know, the uh, Raging Bull with Scorsese, you know, never got nominated ever. So it's just baffling when you think about it. I mean, of all people, he's sort of like one of the definitive screenwriter as auteurs, even though he is also a, a director as well. And the screenplay really is a sophisticated piece of storytelling that shows what he's best at doing, getting inside somebody's head. So, but that's me, a critic making the case for this movie. Well, no, that's the thing. What critics do that's so important is that they show uh, voters what they should be watching. 
And, and that's what all of these things do. Uh, that's why you get this sort of snowball effect where you begin to see that maybe Regina King is going to win Best Supporting Actress for If Beale Street Could Talk or who, who won at the Globes or maybe um, uh, Mahershala Ali, and we'll get into all the Green Book stuff later. Uh, you know, he's the one who might win Best Best Supporting Actor. You just start to see the patterns um, that, that might become, uh, you know, irrefutable. Um, but as far as BAFTA goes, Black Klansman is one of the films that is getting picked up across the board everywhere. And well, so is Roma. And so is A Star is Born. These are five I mean, movies that could all wind up in the 10 best, uh, in the final uh, uh, best picture race. I mean, you're talking about movies that play really well to crowds, period. Right. Roma is the one that's the most exciting in the sense that it's not a traditional crowd pleaser, but it does leave people in this kind of state of being very emotional and they want to talk about it. Black Klansman is sometimes funny, sometimes upsetting, you know, very of its moment. And Stars Born is obviously the most kind of conventional crowd pleaser relative to those others. So no, it doesn't. It's not surprising in that sense. It's just that maybe Black Klansman on some level it seemed like it would be a harder sell because Spike Lee always gets snubbed in these kinds of things. And, and perhaps that helps him. This is one of those things where he's been working it and focus features and knows what they're doing. And they made it, they made it into a hit first, which was a smart thing. And he is charming. He has worked so hard and he's adorable. I mean, he, he really is. Uh, I never would have thought that you would have gotten it, it, to that There are point. those who don't think he's adorable who work with him, by the way. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. He, he can he can irritate the suits better than, than anyone when he's demanding more money or more advertising or whatever it is that he wants. But he is um, charming in a room. And um, I think that's an asset. I think that's a big asset for him. Well, yeah. I mean, if you compare him with... Paul Schrader, for example, who is a, a fascinating guy to talk to, but is perhaps not charming in the same kind of way because he appeals to cinephiles and not necessarily, you know, everybody else with the same kind of charismatic Spike Lee sort of, uh, you know, a personality thing. It almost, you know what it is? Now. It's almost like being able to compare, you know, like last year I had an eye blink moment as soon as I saw um, Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird. I just knew. I knew that Lady Bird would go all the way because of her, because she could carry it as a celebrity through the process. That's sort of what's going on with Black Klansmen. Spike yeah. Lee is yeah. carrying it through the process. And Bradley Cooper is too, <laughs> although he's a little more restrained and acting like a movie star in a weird way that I, I don't know. quite I, understand. I understand it perfectly because, I mean, you, you probably saw that New York Times profile he did a while ago where he sort of rebuffed any attempt to talk about himself in a personal light and he just, I mean, whether it's just the the oh, that's right, I remember that comfort piece. of being overexposed as a movie star and trying to be a serious filmmaker. Yeah, or he wants that. He has just been overexposed and is is too comfortable being a movie star to come down to earth as a filmmaker. That remains a challenge. I mean, I was at the NBRs the other night. He came up pretty late in the night. He did the same that. thing at the AFI. He was the last yeah. one into the yeah. room. And and Spielberg presented it to him and said, obviously, many nice things about him. And Spielberg's great at doing that. But then when he came up, he, like, I don't know, remembered 
getting his best actor trophy for Silver Lines Playbook from NBR while on the set for Hangover 3. He just didn't find his way to say anything very substantial and just felt too rehearsed and stuff. And that's what happened uh, on his, you know, he does these, you know, everybody's participating in these various various roundtables. And and the one I'm remembering is the Hollywood Reporter one, I think. And and he was he was just sort of uptight, you know, is the word I would use. Um, He was he did just didn't feel comfortable. Um, in the room with with the other uh, with the others, um, but anyway, Rome is going well. Although there's a certain backlash factor, which was totally predictable now, um, where there's still that some question as to whether ago. Netflix is overspending or overdoing it. But they have to try to get people to see the movie. I, I, I think like that's the, their job. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like maybe the Roma backlash was more extreme a little while back and it subsided to some degree. No, because now not at all. I can are, tell you are that. Watching this movie cons- I mean, more and more people are watching it all the time. I mean, I have Look, more. There's a way cons- with the preferential ballot, um, which is the real secret of trying to figure out what's happening with the best picture race. And in, in, in that regard, it's really about picking the number one and number two. Um, it, the, everybody's filling out their ballots this weekend. It, they're due on Monday. Um, and they're going to figure out whether, you know, they want to put um, Black Klansman at number one. Is that the movie that they think represents the uh, movie industry best at the Oscars, or is it the favorite, or is it Green Book, which has all of these challenges right now from various controversies, which may or may not be penetrating to the voting body of the Academy that doesn't spend time on social media the way we do. Well, or but the Roma. Cycle, yeah, I mean, I the news cycle is something that go, takes social media and turns it into something bigger, and Roma hasn't been dented in that respect. It also seems like there's just a tremendous amount of enthusiasm from influencers in the industry surrounding Roma. Another anecdotal kind of observation here. So I hosted and organized the New York Film Critics Circle dinner on Monday, and we get presenters, and we kind of work with the various studios to figure out who's the best person to do this or that award. So in Alfonso Cuaron's case, obviously he won three awards for best film, best director, and best cinematography. So best cinematography was presented by Naomi Watts, who is on the Venice jury for that film. Best director was Ellen Page because she wanted to. And uh, and best film was Catherine Bigelow. So it was just very interesting nice. to hear throughout the night all of these different you know, known quantities in the industry who eagerly, you know, they weren't getting paid to be there and they didn't have anything on the line, came out to do that. And that, One that, thing about Quaron, which I think is worth mentioning, is that he isn't, it, people have been mentioning that they think Pavel Pavlikovsky could end up in the best director race. Now, he did not get a DGA nomination for Cold War. Quaron did, um, but... Um, Lanthimos didn't get a DGA nomination. It went to Peter Farrelly mm. for Green Book, which is very telling, although that's a more mainstream group and the Academy could go a different way and be a little more highbrow. Bradley Cooper was in there. Obviously, Spike Lee was in there. Um, but but you and, and Adam McKay for Vice, which, I again, I don't know that that's going to translate over on the Academy side. It might. Um, but, um, what, what, what I, what, what strikes me there is that Pavlikovsky, um, is a long shot for the very highbrow uh, Academy directors group. 
Um, but can you have Lanthimos and Quaron? Quaron is a hybrid. Someone who's worked in Hollywood is incredibly well-known and respected, already won an Oscar for Gravity for Best Director. So so even though Roma is this foreign film from Mexico in black and white, it's Quaron. Just the way Shape of Water was Del Toro, who is beloved in the community already. That's my point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there is something to that. But at, by that same token, just how many people in the Academy are actually going to make the case that Peter Farrelly is a better director than Alfonso Cuaron? I mean, that's just... Yeah, maybe I'm a, saying the question is whether he gets... It, if on January 22nd, Peter Farrelly... No, this, this controversy that's going on about Green Book... Let's all right, let's get into that. This is yeah, important. Let's do this. The, the week that it... The very it's first thing that happened long ago was the N-word from Vigo Mortensen, which they recovered from, obviously, because they've been getting nominated for everything under the sun, right? And then there was this stuff about the family, the Don Shirley family, which has not gone away and is taken more seriously, and then the idea that there's a white person, person's narrative telling this black so person's story. Right. It's a perspective problem. That's the it, problem. And then it's it a very white group. They had to bring in Octavia Spencer and a black producer to help with that perception problem. Which on some level what has is its own kind of issue to kind of point to your black producer and say, it can't be a white person's perspective because we had a black producer it's, it's a she said one. it was okay. She was vetting it. And Mahershala Ali himself was vetting it. And poor Mahershala Ali, I think he's going to get the sympathy vote. Seriously. Well, that's what's so interesting. So it had a good weekend, Green Book. It was sort of the something of an upset when it won the best I drama. I predicted it, actually. Yeah. But it, but it, what, it did seem feel like a bit of a surprise. Well, I'm sorry, one, won best comedy. And, uh, and then Bohemian Rhapsody. And, Right, won the so, drama, and then Mahershala Ali also won. Yeah, right. So that that suggests okay, a lot of support for this movie. Although HFBA, whatever, it's its own thing. It's its own. Then you have a whole new controversy where it turns out there's a tweet from a number of years ago where Nick Vallelonga, who wrote the screenplay, who's the who, son of Tony Lip, the character right. played by Viggo Mortensen. And if you know the movie and you know who that character, he was a racist in the movie. Um, he was a lug. You know, an Italian American lug from the Bronx. His son appears to have been uh, <laughs> yeah, somewhat I mean, of, 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 of a chip off the old block. He responded to Trump's stupid, bigoted, racist thing where he said there were thousands of Muslims celebrating on 9 11 by agreeing with him. And, you know, the idea that he, this was his lifetime store, you know, passion project, and he also harbored these beliefs really works against. The narrative, unless you really look at the, the criticism of the movie, which personally has made me rethink Green Book a lot, a movie that I I just I feel almost bad about being somewhat OK with the movie. Thinking, I like the movie. I like the movie, but I understand the criticisms that of it. The critique, the problem with this movie that it is based on a white person's memory of an experience does reflect the constraints of the movie. What they needed to do is to nail down the life rights from Don Shirley. And now the one argument that Farrelly makes, which I buy, is that they're t- that they when they made the um, uh, deal to to write the movie, it was very clear that they had permission from 
the uh, Shirley from Shirley himself before he died to do the movie that was about this relationship. They were hanging on to other things that they were going to do with him and his biography and his life. And this movie was just supposed to be about this relationship. So I think I, I, I accept that actually that, that the Shirley, but they didn't nail down the Shirley family somehow thinking they had the, the permission from Shirley himself. I mean, I'm sure Octavia Spencer gave them some good notes, but I'd be She curious. agreed with everything, according to her. I mean, I almost, I almost feel like maybe what you needed was not a person, but but people to, to weigh in on this and, and sort of think through how the story was being assembled. Because I think you're right. Not only did they should they have had the life rights to Don Shirley's story but well, they may not have been able to get them if they, they wanted to use but, them for another purpose but they needed but, to figure out how to make that family happy that's well, what they also, needed to do i think on some level it's figuring out how to tell his story as much as you tell uh i agree guys. i, I agree. That's the problem is that vigo really is the main character and that's why mahershala is this supporting actor contender Yep. He shouldn't be. No, we, they actually used a, an old video interview with Tony Lip as the basis for this. You know, they got him to tell the story and they used that as a basis for the screenplay. Yeah. Well, I, and that there's maybe some, a, a certain flaw, at least from a, not only just a narrative standpoint, but from a commercial standpoint when it comes to making this movie appeal to a black audience. But mm-hmm. here's the thing. This movie is is the classic example of what James Baldwin described as the kind of liberal movie uh, about racism that makes white people feel good. And that's why it's such a huge hit and why the Academy loves it and all the guilds love it and everybody's voting for it. And a lot of them are simply not paying any attention to this to this controversy. And and by the way, there aren't that many people in the academy. They've added a lot of people of color. It adds up to, you know, over a thousand. But the number of people in the academy who are actually black is like 350. I don't have the exact figure, but that someone showed me what it was, and it was in that neighborhood, about 350. But where? How does that math affect the prospects of a movie like Green Book? Are you saying that? I'm saying that the number of people in the Academy that are actually upset by this controversy might be very small, but that's and that the rest that, of the Academy loves the movie. I think it's unfair to assume that only black people would be upset by this conflict. The magical Negro narrative that Tambeo Benson wrote about, and the being upset about a movie that tells this story from the white point of view does i'm i'm telling you it it i'm not getting a lot of people who are even aware of this controversy when i talk to them but now it just broke in the la times today that will reach them i just i'm covering it but i'm not i mean it just feels like it isn't the question does it get enough traction this weekend for the people who haven't voted yet to make a difference with all the nominations on Monday? And does it make a difference with the final verdict? Which I mean, I could see it get, getting a bunch of nominations, but the idea that it has- It might not win Best Picture. It could no hurt. That's what I've thought it. all along, that it couldn't win Best Picture with- Or that it's even the most, one of the most celebrated with you know, the other films that we've been talking about. We're talking about- Three, possibly even four other movies that feel like they're they're more cherished. 
from Rome, born the favorite black. Look, the one that's probably most cherished is Bohemian Rhapsody, which got a 49 on Metacritic. And I'm resisting, honestly, I am resisting the idea that this movie, which is getting nominated by every guild, seriously, you go through them all, makeup, um, you know, all of them. There, <laughs> it's uh, across the board. Nothing is doing better than Bohemian Rhapsody than a star, except for a star is born. Those are the two that are doing the best across all the guilds, and but, it might get a Best Picture nomination. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, how, who this who year is there, a weird year. Who out there actually? They love it. I talk to people all the time. I have arguments with my friends who are Academy members, PGA members, you know, all across the board. And they said how much they love this movie mm. and, and they don't understand why anyone wouldn't like it. Maybe it's an LA thing. Nobody. <laughs> it's a queen thing. It's movie. not an LA thing. It's a queen thing. I mean, I love queen. I think queen's music is, is boundary breaking and still time timely today. People and- had fun. They actually had fun in, at this like, movie. And it seems to be a year. That matters to them. But the filmmaking is fundamentally bad. It's like... A Star is Born is so much better in every regard. If you had to compare the two, he has to do his own music. He has to sing live. He has to learn how to play the guitar. You know, the degree of difficulty. I mean, all Rami Malek had to do was lip sync. Uh, Can we just make support the girls part of this conversation somehow? No, it's not going to happen. Regina Hall was so great at the the ceremony. You know, we, we honored two... Uh, Regina is at New York Film Critics Circle. Regina King, who's obviously a front runner, and Regina Hall, who uh, who is just very funny and personable, and and saw Steve Martin in the audience, who presented to Richard E. Grant for supporting actor, and talked about wanting to marry him when she was a child, and Aww. she was wide eyed and stuff. But also very personable. And, no, and I think was, a lot of people have seen the film because you made that nomination happen, but it doesn't mean that it gets. I mean, SAG is is indicating no. Barack Obama loved this movie. It was on- <laughs> and so was Roma, for that matter. But I don't believe Star is Born made the cut or Green Book. So. All right. The other movie that made a big, big um, move forward at the Globes was Glenn Close and The Wife, the one we've been arguing about all this time. More and life. she gave such a great speech. Um, you know, she just put all her intelligence and her humanity and her warmth out there for us to recognize. Um, and I think she could really be uh, competing with Olivia Coleman now for uh, for Best Actress at the Oscars. But you don't sound too confident about Lady Gaga and her. No, I do not. <laughs> no, it's very weird. I mean, A Star Is Born. You know, be be careful if you're the front runner because it peaked and now you know it's a huge hit. And something about the way that that I believe that that movie is a gritty, independent, really well made, incredibly uh, um, carefully detailed uh, piece of work uh, that that should be credited. And um, it just seemed people it may something about it looks too easy. You know, people just think, oh, that's another mainstream commercial movie. It isn't. It, it, it's, it did as well as it did because it's so good. Mm, I mean, it did really well because people like stars and because it's an acceptable, it's an accessible story and it's, it's a feel good kind of a thing. And young people really glommed onto this movie. The memes were all over the place. 
But so what I, you're saying is the same thing that I'm saying. I, just I that it lacks gravitas. You're saying it is. It lacks gravitas. People don't recognize what he did, and he, he did might okay. not get very much. I, I don't think the movie is as good as as you're saying, and that's part of it too. It's not just a, a serious. Yeah, he's getting nominated for everything. I mean, we're really talking about the win right now. Yeah. Well, you know, we're getting to that point too, where we're just like excited to whittle the field down a little bit, so we don't have to talk about such an unpredictable set of possibilities because uh you know once the voting happens we'll at least know if anything we're saying here is accurate by what doesn't make the cut that's right so one of the things that i wanted to do was really implore academy members to fill in some gaps if they haven't yet and and don't forget about something like first reform because like you said earlier it is just unfathomable that Trader has never been nominated before and I just don't see how you you can't appreciate that achievement in this particular movie over anything else it's just you know if, you, if you're talking about voting for somebody because it's their time and then they give an okay performance that's one thing but it's it's this person's time who knows if he'll ever make another movie I mean he's in his 70s now and he's had a long career but he also made one of his best in a very long time. And it's just, I just don't see how else you, uh, you go about it with your power. This should be the one. This should definitely be the one. I think a lot of people in the Academy are aware of that. I hope so. I really do. But something um, always happens here. And, and there's just a lot of anxiety around this particular one. Um, but what would you encourage people to, uh, to not? Well, forget? you know, I feel strongly about, about Leave No Trace and Cold War. Um, uh, it would be great if a lot of people, what if, what if Joanna Kulig, you know, got snuck in there like Juliette Binoche one year or, or, or uh, Charlotte Rampling, you know? Yeah. Marion Cotillard and Darden Brothers film. That was another good one. I think she's great in that movie. That, that would be really fascinating. Especially she's been here in town. She's been working it, you know, she's and, pregnant and it is, and she just decided to camp out here for a long time instead of doing a lot of plane flights. And it is valuable on some level for these foreign language films to permeate other categories. It allows them to, to not get sort of ghettoized, as it were. And, yeah, and cinematography is another possibility for that film, although yeah. that's always such a competitive category. Now, meanwhile, the fate of Black Panther is very interesting. I would beg all the people who think that Black Panther is just a stupid comic book movie uh, to check it out because it's more than that. And I take it very seriously. And I think that the production design and costume design and cinematography and writing and directing and acting is all top notch. Well, you um, spent a lot of time rethinking that and, and studying it. I, I can see that, it hasn't gotten far enough. It isn't doing well is, enough in the, in the Guild nominations. The thing that I think people should really pay attention to with Black Panther is, above all else, Michael B. Jordan, because I, I, I've come to the conclusion that it's his best performance even though it's not, you know, as central as say Fruitvale or something, because it's such a he gives authenticity to a a, a movie villain character that usually doesn't have that. And he wasn't comfortable with it really. It was difficult for him because he had to navigate. He had to make him sympathetic and make you understand that he was representing the African American wounded experience. You know, someone who's been abandoned, someone who's who's not altogether whole. And that it helps to explain why he's behaving in this vengeful, villainous way. But at the same time, understand him and feel for him the way that um, Chala, the the Black Panther, actually does. And that, that was a tricky thing to do. 
Yeah. No, I mean, and, and gosh, that guy's been working. It certainly seen him a lot of different places. So, you know, if he doesn't get it, get it, at least. He might not. I looked at it carefully. And if you look across all the guilds, um, someone like Adam Driver is ahead of Michael B. Jordan for Black Klansman. Um, and, uh, and, and, and Ali and, and, uh, Richard E. Grant. Um, you know, it's just hard to imagine anyone denying them, you know? It's a tough field. There's no question about it for, for that one particular performance. So when do we get to remind people that they should watch Paddington 2? If Hugh Grant couldn't get there with the Globes, you know, I'm not sure it's going to happen anywhere else. That's sort of how I feel. I, I just put up a piece about how... Um, I mean, I'm a fan of Mary Poppins uh, Returns as a musical, as a good old classic musical that's very difficult to do. And I sort of go through how they did it. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I think the Academy may be more responsive to it and especially the craft side and possibly Emily Blunt. Um, but uh, there are a couple of films I'm curious to see how they're really going to do like Vice it could go in strong and, and wind up with just a few nominations. And, you know, Mary Poppins may be like that too. And it's important to remind Beale Street. These are the ones that are sort of on the cusp. Beale Street. Let's yeah. talk about Beale Street so much. I mean, we've talked about Regina King. I, I made the point in your film critic circle that we had not just two Reginas in the room, but two Kings because Gail King of all people came out to present to Regina King right after her dramatic nice. globes. Uh, thing where she said she, all of her projects were going to be 50%. That played well and badly at the same time, by the way. Well, I think that the challenge with that is in contrast to the inclusion writer thing with Francis McDormand last year. Right. The specifics are a little murky, but it is still, I mean, I, there's so much goodwill for her, but I think the movie itself is worth looking at for a number of reasons to score. The screenplay that really does channel James Baldwin's work, if you've paid attention to the to the to his writing, then you can see that. There's so many other aspects to it. Even even Brian Tyree Henry, who's in one scene, is a real standout. There's a lot about this movie that should not be forgotten. So I suspect that in the end, it could be just her, which is better than nothing. But uh, the, the, this is definitely not, you know, it's not as widely seen. Let's let's just be honest. It's that's what it's all about. It's it's whether people actually. Check these movies out, and and, and, and I'm worried about James Laxton getting into cinematography, and and I'm I'm a little worried on the Black Panther side about Rachel Morrison making it in. Aren't you worried about Sorry to Bother You? <laughs> Why would I be worried about that? There's so much more out there. To I mean, I'm just I I, I, I that got a first time director one from uh, the DGA along, yeah. and uh, Bradley got that, and and Bo Burnham. You know, that's 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 cool. Bo Bur by the way, the one that's doing very well is is eighth grade. I don't know if it's going to make it to the Oscars, but it's well, it's doing better than some of these other films. Chris Rock presented to him at New York Film Critics Circle because because Bo directed a Chris Rock special on Netflix. There's a lot of goodwill from Bo Burnham. He's a He's a tall guy who towers over people, but he's very like sweet and approachable. And so it's another person who's good at getting in front of, in front of people and doing that thing. And he started it back at Sundance. So speaking of Sundance, next week when we uh, reconvene, we'll have the chance to take a little bit of a breather as, as Oscar votes are, are tallied and so forth, because we'll be heading into the Sundance. Thank God. 
So we'll get a chance to kind of evaluate a whole new set of movies that are coming out and, and bigger things going on in the in- industry. And I am looking forward to seeing you in the snow. And until and then, until then uh, we shall we shall reconvene. Okay, bye. Bye.